Let us ask the Lord to bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. O most gracious Father, Father of everlasting love, we ask you now in Jesus' name and for his sake that you would send forth the Holy Spirit upon us anew and afresh to enlighten the eyes of our hearts and to give us spiritual understanding of the mystery of our salvation by your eternal decree, by the obedience of your Son, and by the application of your Spirit. And so we worship and adore you, the true and living God, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, forever and ever. Amen. The gospel reading comes from the gospel, the gospel of John, chapter 18, and I will read verses 1 through 32. This is the holy word of God. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am, They drew back and fell to the ground. So Jesus asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, Annas himself having served as high priest previously. 
It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When Jesus had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's quarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. And now to him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. At this point in the gospel narrative, John 18, Jesus and his disciples have celebrated the Passover supper. 
Jesus has instituted the sacrament of the new covenant, Passover, the Lord's Supper. Judas has gone out to betray him. And Jesus and the eleven have left the upper room and are now in the garden of Gethsemane. Verse 1 says, when Jesus had spoken these words, and that is a reference to Jesus' extended prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, recorded in John 17, often referred to as his high priestly prayer, in which he consecrates himself to do his Father's will and prays for his apostles and for all those who will come to believe in him through the word of the apostles. On this night, Jesus prayed for you and for me that we might be one in him and one with him, And that where he is, we might also be in the glory of his Father forever. As we now turn our attention to the events that took place that night in Gethsemane, I want to call your attention in particular to two verses. Verse 4 and then verse 32. These two verses at the beginning and the end of this passage provide a sort of frame, if you will, for the whole picture. Verse 4 says, Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him. Just dwell on that for a moment. That phrase at the beginning of verse 4, Then Jesus knowing all that would happen to him. It bespeaks Jesus' divine omniscience and his complete sovereignty over all that was about to take place. Nothing would take him by surprise. Then at the close of this reading, verse 32, the scripture says, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. The Jews had said to Pilate, how ironic the Jewish leaders. It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show what kind of death he was going to die, that is, by Roman crucifixion. Again, divine omniscience and divine sovereignty. Jesus himself had already decreed that he would be put to death by Roman crucifixion. In other words, everything that was taking place and would take place was under the sovereign decree and direction of God. That's the big idea here. 
Throughout this passage, we see Jesus, the sovereign Savior of his people, doing the will of his Father and accomplishing the mission his Father had sent him to do. John tells us that Jesus and his disciples had often gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and that's how Judas knew. Here, often, Judas had prayed with Jesus. Now, here, he would betray him. So let's see it in our mind's eye. One man with 11 companions, quietly gathered for prayer. Another man, Judas, leading a battalion of soldiers and a host of other men, moving hurriedly through the darkness with lanterns and torches and weapons, like a pack of ravenous wolves eager to devour a flock of sheep. Now see this, see it, remember it, watch what happens. Watch Jesus rise from the company of the disciples to step forward to meet the mob. John really wants us to. See this. Listen again to how he tells us with his own eyewitness report. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, there it is, verse 4, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. In his commentary on this passage, John Calvin wrote that in this passage we see the good shepherd protecting the flock Quote, he sees the attack of wolves and does not wait until they come to the sheep, but immediately goes forth to guard them. But even more to the point, as Calvin says, we see, now listen, we see Jesus advancing freely and willingly toward his own death. to present himself of his own accord to the traitor and his enemies. Now, what we need to meditate on tonight with regard to the arrest and ultimately the crucifixion of Jesus is that Jesus was not a victim of circumstances beyond his control. The wheels were not falling off of his life and ministry, and mission. Things were not falling apart. He was not a weak and helpless victim of injustice. He was not captured due to his own passivity or naivete or human weakness. Quite to the contrary, knowing all that would happen to him, Willingly, of his own free will, from a position of strength, 
From a position of divine power, Jesus gave himself over to his enemies. And he did so not out of resignation to inevitable defeat. No, he did so not in a spirit of despair or futility or failure. No, he did so in perfect obedience to his Father's will and out of love for those he came to save in order to accomplish, to accomplish, to accomplish the work which the Father had sent him to do. Jesus knew that his hour had come. He had prayed for his apostles. He had prayed for all those throughout the world and throughout history who would come to believe in him through their word. He had agonized in prayer for himself, sweating great drops of blood and pleading with his father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And as a real man, having wrestled with the dread of death, having shuddered at the thought of drinking the father's cup of wrath, Having resolved to do his Father's will, Jesus stood up and stepped forward, not with a timid spirit of fearful surrender, but with a spiritual courage undaunted by the blood-curdling howls of those malicious wolves. See it. See him. Jesus stood up, stepped forward, and looked straight into their hateful, hellish eyes and ask them one simple question. Whom do you seek? (laughs) What a question. Whom do you seek? The irony of that question reveals the world's blindness of and hatred toward God. Whom? Do you seek? They were men of death seeking the Lord of life. Whom do you seek? They were men of lies seeking the truth to destroy him. Whom do you seek? They were men seeking God not to fall at his feet and worship him, but to string him up and kill him. And they were representatives of us all in our fallenness and our natural enmity against God. We ought to see our own faces in that mob. For the scripture says that we without Christ, without the renewing and regenerating work of the Holy Spirit within us, we were the enemies of God. And while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. And, and, and look at what the enemies of God would do to him if only they could get their filthy hands on him. And indeed, we did, and indeed he died. But only because Jesus willingly gave himself up to death for us, his enemies. As the scripture says, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you see the amazing sovereignty of God at work in this dreadful scene. The mob didn't have to search for Jesus. 
He wasn't hiding from his enemies. He went to the place where he knew he would be found. And when his enemies arrived there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't try to flee from them, but just the opposite. Stepped up, stepped forward, stared them in the eye and asked that one simple question, whom do you seek? And you see, that question is a turning point in this scene because if you can see it in your mind, you can see that with this question, Jesus was asserting his authority, his divine authority. To, to put it bluntly, Jesus was taking control of the situation and revealing to them that they had no power over him. Revealing to them that they didn't really know. They didn't really have any idea who it really was whom they were seeking. They replied, Jesus of Nazareth. And now watch what happened. Speaking with the voice of eternity, Jesus said to them, I am. That is what the New Testament Greek literally says, I am. Speaking with the voice of the one who declared his holy name to Moses out of the burning bush, Jesus said, I am. Speaking with the voice of the infinite, eternal, self-sustaining, uncreated creator without beginning and without end, the Alpha and the Omega, the living one, Jesus said, I am. And when he identified himself with his holy name, the armed soldiers drew back and fell to the ground as those slain on the field of battle. As the prophet Isaiah said, with the breath of his lips, he shall slay the wicked. And again, in a display of his great-hearted courage and almighty power and sovereign lordship in that moment, Jesus, as if to make his point abundantly clear, asked them again, whom do you seek? Again, they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, again, speaking with sovereign authority, replied, I told you that I am. So, if you seek me, let these men go. You see the significance of this. Even in the very instance of his arrest, Jesus was revealing himself to be and was acting as the substitutionary sacrifice, the one who took our place, the one who handed himself over to death so that we might go free. The Passover lamb. Do you see? The lamb of God is the lion of our salvation. If he had wanted to, he could have walked right through that mob and left us to die in our sins. But no, the lion of Judah became the lamb of God for us. Peter still did not understand. He thought Jesus needed to be protected and rescued. Impulsively, Peter drew his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And by the way, did you note that little detail? It was his right ear. 
Now that's John's little signature there. He was there. He saw it. Little bitty detail. It was his right ear. But Jesus put an end to the scuffle. And Luke tells us that Jesus restored the man's ear. And then Jesus said to Peter, Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? That cup was the cup of wrath against sin, the cup of suffering and death under the condemnation of God the Father's justice. And Jesus was resolved to do his Father's will and to drink that cup which the Father had given him for us and for our salvation. And so then and only then, because Jesus permitted them to do so, They seized Jesus and bound him, as though he really needed to be bound, as though at this point he would try to escape or as though he were some kind of dangerous criminal. The whole thing is ridiculous. They seized the one who sets us free. They bound the Lord of liberty. They led him away, the judge of righteousness and truth, to the court of Annas, the former high priest, and then to Caiaphas, the high priest who had already determined the verdict before the trial had even begun. And while they sought to humiliate, intimidate, and browbeat Jesus into submission, Jesus stood before them unflinchingly with integrity and exposed their duplicity and their corruption. Meanwhile, in the courtyard, a servant girl questioned Peter. You're not one of his disciples, are you? Peter said, I am not. And then two more times, as Peter warmed himself by the fire, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. What a, what a, what a contrast. What a shameful disgrace. That, and there we stand with Peter in the courtyard, warming ourselves by the fire, denying our Lord. Inside the courtroom, Jesus answers his accusers with the truth, and they warm his face with bloody blows. But his integrity could not be broken. His character could not be marred. He was and is the very embodiment of truth, righteousness, and holy innocence, And he took his place for us in our place. He stood in our stead as the Lamb of God to be slain for sinners and the Lion of salvation who would vanquish death itself. And so tonight, dear Covenanters, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to love him for who he is. What a savior. There is none like him. He is the true man, the incomparable Christ. Look upon him and see him as everything you will ever need. 
the fulfillment of your heart's true desire, the truth that sets you free. The suffering one by whose wounds your deepest wounds are healed. And the guardian and guarantor of your eternal destiny. Whom do you seek? Whom do you seek to fill the hole in your heart? Whom do you seek? To bring you home to God. Look, look, look all around you. Look all around the world. Go and search and seek and look within you. <laughs> and you will find the treachery of Judas, the cowardice of Peter, the corruption of Caiaphas and Annas, and the brutality of the soldiers. You can search the whole world over. You will never find a man like this man, Jesus Christ. But if you seek him, when you find him, you will know he is the one and only who alone is worthy that we should fall at his feet and cry out, my Lord and my God, the sovereign Savior, the Lamb of God, Lion of our salvation. Seek him. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the glorious gospel of your Son, our Savior. Grant us the grace not to neglect so great a salvation. Grant us the grace always now to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow him in love and joyful gratitude. To the glory of your name, amen.